，女士们、先生们。Fans of Shukristan, and welcome to day one coverage of the Beijing 2022 Olympics on Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I'm your host Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, ni hao. We have a flame. Ni hao. I think the vacuuming people have found you from the curling.、Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm in the main media center taping. And so you'll hear the residual noise. I've got a couple of photographers who are across from me in the tables, and they're vacuuming here. So enjoy the ambiance. It'll feel like real, like you're in a real hive of activity. Well, that's something I wanted to ask you about the media center, and we'll we'll start there. And we have so much to get through. But how many people are you seeing in the media center at any given time when you go into work there? I would say close to midnight right now. And or it's yeah, it's eleven thirty p.m. And there's probably twenty twenty five right now. But like in the middle of the day, you walk in and it's full. So there's a few, a couple hundred or so at least. And it's what's awesome is that you just have like every language. So the other day, I'm sitting in at my table, and the guy behind me is Italian, and I couldn't stop thinking of you because he's like pronto, pronto. <laughs> <laughs> just get you know talking Italian as they do. Yeah, But, like you hear all the languages. It's great. All I'd be able to say because as we know I haven't gotten very far on Duolingo is Unamella, <laughs> and that gets you far. I have experience with that. You know, I'd get an apple and I wouldn't starve. And you have been posting some great pictures of your snacks and、oh, your、yeah. drinks. Group, so please, everyone, join us in the Facebook group. There's lots of opinions on the opening ceremonies, which we will get to. It's Keep the Flame Alive podcast, and jump on Facebook for that. So, lots of people have thoughts. I know you have thoughts. You were there. I, I was there. I was there. I think we're going to go through some other things first. Yes, yes. So we have first off our segment: What officiating or volunteer job would we want to do? What do you have today? So I have decided it was an officiating job that I saw, but it was an officiating job that you mentioned. In that, when you went to the opening ceremony, you had a bag of goodies. Yes. So I would like to be the person who puts the bags on the chairs. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Repetitive, rewarding job because you know people are really going to enjoy it because there was a hat and gloves in there that、yes. you will be to have. Yes, and a hot pack, which I was very happy to have, <laughs> and a blanket. And like, okay, so I know yesterday I complained about being cold. Not as cold today. Now I have to work on my feet. My feet are a problem. They get cold. I have wonderful thick socks on. I have wonderful insulated boots. My feet are starting to sweat, and then they get cold. So, and then my hands a little bit today because I had to have the gloves off to do typing and stuff, and I put them back back on. But you know, they got a little cold. But I'm I'm wearing. Double layers on bottom, triple layers on top, lots of cowls and hats and everything I got. So I'm I'm doing better, people. If you can get your hands on some silk sock liners, oh, okay, that absorbs the sweat and breathes and. Oh, okay, that's good to know. It works.、So、yeah, if in if in the the shop they have like little <laughs> big dwen dwen sock liners. <laughs> Or maybe one is Ben Dwen Dwen and one is Shuri Ron Ron. Oh, be oh. I would love that. You saw lots of jobs today. Okay, 
Okay, so during the Parade of Nations, did you notice that they alternated which way the countries went on the stage? They, we did not see, we saw them come down the center. Right, so then they either turned left or they turned right. Yeah, we didn't see that. Okay, so how they kept people from, to, to make sure they alternated, they had what I called them the blockade. They were two groups of six kids and they would run out and form a line in the aisle where the, the team was not supposed to go. And then once the team went its right direction and was all through, the one line left and the other line came in. So they didn't even go with the, like the ground control of an airport with the lights. They really went for the physical blockade. Yes, physical blockade. It was impressive. And I know it didn't get on TV, but I just loved watching it. And they'd be like, every once in a while, you'd see one person in the middle of the line go, okay, it's time to go. But the first person hadn't gone yet. And they're like, oh, I guess we're not going now. They needed the yelling like the curlers do. <laughs> right, right. Run, run, run. All right. We did have a little action today. Um, we're still in the mixed doubles tournament for curling. Current standings are Italy at the top of the rankings, 4-0. That's impressive. Then we right. had can- yesterday that nobody yeah. was undefeated. So I wanted to correct that, that I, oh. I did screw that up. So Italy, and of course, at Italy, I made, I made a mistake about Italy. How dare you? So, and then Canada and Great Britain are tied 3-1. Sweden is 3-2. China, the Czech Republic, and the U.S. are two and two. Norway is one and three. Switzerland is one and three. And oh, poor Australia is zero oh and five. They are having a tough game. Yeah, I was just watching their uh, match against Great Britain, and oh. the Great British team is number one in the world. Yes, yes, I, I learned that from the journalists around me. <laughs> and they're Scots, so I had a great time listening to that mic'd up match. Oh, nice. I'm sure. They were yelling at each other. It was fantastic. And then we had some figure skating happening today. The team event started. So in the team event, we had the men's uh, short program, the ice dance, the rhythm dance, and the pairs did their short program as well. Oh, yeah. I noticed that you have mentioned here that COVID was affecting this competition because I noticed that Ukraine and Germany did not have full teams and they're out because of COVID. Uh, yes. So the Ukrainian, I believe it's the Ukrainian man and the German woman half of the pairs team both tested positive. And the way the team event works, once you name your team, you can't replace them. And in addition, oh. I'm not sure if Germany and Ukraine qualified more than one in that discipline. Wow. So they, they have an additional, you know, the Canadians were lucky enough because their national champion in the men's division, Keegan Messing, tested positive, but they had Robin Sadowski, who was there already, was qualified, and he and Keegan tested positive before they officially named their team, so they were able to add Roman to their team event. Wow. It's really shaken up the standings, and it's shaken up the standings in, in an additional way in that... Uh, Japanese skater and defending silver medalist, Chuboino, does not have his coach here. Oh, really? Uh, Stefan Lambiel, who skating fans may remember, he was a Swiss champion back in the day, tested positive. He's back home. <gasps> no. So she must, man, did he skate well last night. It was a lot of fun last night. Nathan Chen was 
outstanding. Oh my gosh. I just, you know, I had to watch that. I, I meant to go see it, but I had to watch it on the big screen here in the media center. And Nathan Chen came out and like, that is such a much stronger Nathan Chen than we saw four years ago. It was incredible. Beautiful, beautiful short program. The men in general were, were pretty good. The ice dancing got interesting because Madison Hubble and Zach Donahue ended up on top of the standings, which was unexpected. So the USA is actually in the lead right now of the team standings, which was very unexpected, followed by ROC, China, Japan, Italy, Canada. The defending gold medalist is way down in six. That's because Megan Duhamel is retired. And you have Virtue and Moyer. And not that their current ice dancers aren't anything to slouch over, but you still had medalists there. Right. The Canadian pair did not skate well on top of it. They did not skate up to their potential. So even though this is only three of eight pieces of this competition, these standings are very, very unexpected. So this will be a fun competition. So when we spoke to Jackie Wong, I made the joke about, oh, here's the softball, the team competition. But this is shaping up to be very interesting. And speaking of Megan DeHamel, she's one of the coaches of the Japanese pair, Muro and Kahara. She and her husband, Bruno Marcotte. Interesting. Because I, I believe Bruno is here. And yes, is not. Other... She is baby. And baby to be. And baby to be, yes. So Megan announced that she is pregnant with baby number two. So congratulations to her and and her husband, Bruno Marcotte. So that's exciting. So Very yeah, nice. no traveling for Megan right now. That's yeah, for right. sure. No COVID. You, you know what else was interesting? I can't remember who it was, but whatever ice dance team had that orange number outfit on with the man who just, you know, slipped down to his navel. Yeah, Canadian Bear Gillis and Poirier. You know, throw a banana hand on his head and he'd be the Chiquita Banana Man. Yeah, they did a El it, it was an Elton John number, and those are actually new costumes. Those are not the costumes that you've been wearing all season. They have been wearing orange jumpsuits, but this was another level of ice dance insanity, which was fantastic. I guess they are bringing another rhythm to their rhythm dance. <laughs> Okay, then we have over in ice hockey, two more games in the women's prelim round. China beat Denmark 3-1, and ROC defeated Switzerland 5-2. Right, before we get to opening ceremonies talk, we wanted to let you know about our Red Envelope campaign. This show does cost money to produce, and while our listeners have been extremely generous in supporting us through our Kickstarter campaign that got us here to Beijing, and also through Patreon patronage, we are coming up on two and a half years until another Olympics, so to celebrate the Lunar New Year, we are asking for donations of at least $8 to help us get through to Paris 2024. Go to com slash support to donate, and we appreciate everybody who's donated so far, and keep it coming. I get pretty excited when I see those notifications come in. Oh, I know. It's very nice. We are so grateful. <laughs> I kind of wish the red envelope would like pop up on my computer. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice. And a little firework with a dragon dance. <laughs> Let's keep Lunar New Year going. Right. Right. All right. So opening ceremonies. They were short, although, boy, that parade of nations felt long. 
I don't see how they were short because they started here. The broadcast started at, they set up at about 6.30 a.m. It was 7.03 by my clock. And it was after 9.30 when they turned off the broadcast, but the dancing was still going on. We didn't even see all those people dancing on the fields for long. Oh, yeah. And they had a whole pre-show. They had all these people dancing on the sidelines. And I thought they were like halfway through. It kind of dawned on me that maybe they would be part of the actual show, but they really weren't. It was interesting how these were like pre-show and post-show entertainment. Because runner-up, well, runner-up. Like volunteers and some of the, the show participants. Because the women in the dresses that used, that carried the, the country snowflakes mm-hmm. were definitely spinning around and those skirts twirled, man. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. They were beautiful. Those, those outfits, that whole ensemble with the sign and the outfit were just stunning. There were my backup volunteer job would be a lot of the dancers had pom poms. And at one point in this pre show, all of a sudden I see two of the volunteers or two of the dancers pushing shopping carts of pom poms. Like, that is a job I would want. Please deposit <laughs> pom pom here. Would that be the pom pom hole? Yes, much like the food collection trash hole or whatever. There's a there's a picture I posted somewhere that now it's on Twitter about some of the fun translations we have here. So we did have a big theme. Again, we have got that. What Somebody has to tell me, what is the technology of the floor? The LED protection? Yeah, I guess that, if that's what you call it. I don't know because it's... It's beautiful. I was a little low to see the floor, but we had monitors with us too. And just the 3D elements that they can do with that now and give it so much dimension. It was fantastic. So on the TV, I found it difficult at times to figure out what was real and what was a projection. Yes. Because obviously on the TV, everything is flat, so you don't have any depth. So when that ice cube structure came out of the floor until Mike Tirico told me it was actually a thing coming out of the floor. I thought that was just a projection. I, you know, I, I had the same thought sitting there in the stadium because I didn't oh, see it come out of the floor. I did not see it come out of the floor because I was looking elsewhere. And then all of a sudden it was there and I'm like, is that real or is it not? And then they started projecting all of the winter games throughout history which I loved that. I thought that was and so notice cool. A little difference that they made. Lake Tahoe. You know, so Squaw Valley has changed its name because Squaw being now considered a an inappropriate term. And now they're referring it referring to it as Lake Tahoe, which we hadn't we had talked about when when Squaw Valley changed its name. Right, right. It, like the IOC is, in fact, respecting that change and going to refer to those games going forward. As well, Let's see what else happened in that. And the nice thing was that we got we got a little media PDF that was embargoed until eight o'clock. And I didn't find it until after the thing started, which was a good thing. But it didn't it, it told you all of the segments and they had the fun facts about it. So what Mike Tirico tells you, it probably is coming from this document, except for it did not have it said it told you a little bit about the lighting of the cauldron, but did not tell you who was doing it or who the final torchbearers were either. 
So during the very opening segments, they talked about in the Chinese calendar, they traditionally have four seasons that's broken up into 24 segments. Was this in your... Yes, it was on the video. There was a video oh. about that stuff. So that's right. that also, we saw that video. But here's the best part of it. The names of some of these 24 seasons, major heat, minor heat, <laughs> major snow. I thought, I, I absolutely do understand major snow versus minor snow and major cold versus minor cold. So that made me as a New Englander very connected to the Chinese people because <laughs> I do understand that you have to break down the seasons beyond four because I think one there was sort of like false autumn and it was just it was it, it made me realize that when you have these bizarre seasons and weathers that is true around the world yeah that was that was pretty cool I have to say the the fireworks there were a lot of fireworks <laughs> Okay, so there were a lot of fireworks, but I wanted them to go on longer because, and I, I get it, China invented fireworks. I have never seen fireworks so brilliantly clear before because they did the countdown in fireworks and all of those numbers were clear. They did something else in fireworks that was, maybe it was the rings, but there was something else in fireworks where you saw words and letter or letters or something and you could totally read it it was amazingly brilliant we saw the rings in fireworks but i did not see the numbers because they were showing the video probably, yeah they were showing the video so yeah and they did they did fireworks of the numbers going down and it was incredible so i'm hopeful for the fireworks at closing ceremonies to be equally if not more incredible no, not too many charming children. Wait, no. Oh, no, not tar charming individual children. Charming as a group. Yes. Tons of them. But no, like, story of following the one child. So that was very different than we've we've seen previously. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. Because I don't mind the following the kid thing, but it's just like, oh, we're following the kid again. They have a dream. Oh, it's to play sports or whatever. Unite the world or imagine that there's no countries. For an event well, that's all country-based. Well, I mean, Imagine did play a part here, and I know you were just <laughs> cringing. We're not up to that yet. Oh, so after we did our countdown with the beginning of spring, the Olympic rings formed out of that ice block that they did the all the winter games. Then that, that block disappeared and rings appeared in it. And they were above the stadium the whole time. They were in white, but there were little either. I bet they were lights, but it looked like they were bubbles in the rings that kind of sparkled here and there the whole show that made it seem like the rings were made of water or ice, which oh, I thought nice. was interesting. Yeah, they definitely twinkled on camera. Okay. So that was cool. Parade of athletes. Okay. Oh, I got to start this. Okay. What was going on with the music behind the Parade of Athletes? We had the William Tell Overture. <laughs> we had selections from the Nutcracker. We had Dvorak's New World Symphony. <laughs> made no sense. It wasn't Chinese. It wasn't international. It was random in the most bizarre way. I was trying some international elevator to hell. <laughs> I don't know because I wondered myself and I wondered on Twitter 
and uh, book club Claire said, oh, they love Western orchestral music in China. So that is probably it. Just favorites here and that are internationally known because I had really expected some Chinese music or elements of Chinese music. And somebody else pointed out that in 2008, I guess they were over the top with the, the music in a, in a different way. So they reversed course for this one. So Parade of Nations, the, there was a gate or it was like a big box that went all the way up to the top of the stadium and they would project things on it as well throughout the show. But it opened up and that's uh, the athletes came down a ramp. They hit the edge of the track area or stage area and then they alternated going right or going left and then they got taken into the stands. So leading them were these ladies with snowflakes for each country and the country name was I believe in English and in Chinese and it was lit up and they wore these stunning white and blue coats and tiger hats because it's year of the tiger each hat was different they were oh they were they were all different yeah that we could not see but what was amazing to me is these women held that snowflake above their heads the whole time so they would come in holding it chest tight and then as they hit that edge of the ramp they shot thing up and kept it up and i'm like man those girls have been training i totally agree with you that's exactly what i thought too could not believe that they did that for as long as they did because quite a long walk to where they needed to go and then they played a bigger part in the next segment but did you have uniforms that you liked i did have i did have just uh three that i wanted to comment on so first nigeria because I thought they did an excellent job of integrating something about their traditional dress, but keeping warm. So they had these green and white cloth headpieces with these particular folds that you see in in Nigerian uh, traditional dress. And I thought that was beautiful. And then they had a matching scarf. Yes, so I, I Love really that fun. too. And and it looked warm. I thought it was a really good blend of traditional clothing with what you needed to stay warm here. It just that really took my breath away. I liked the Finnish silver spacesuits. Did not see. I don't know why I did not see. Too much to take in. With the exception of the fact that not all, but I guess they had the option, some of the Finnish women were wearing skirts. <gasps> They had it underneath them, but I'm thinking, there is a breeze blowing up that skirt. Is it like, I'm finished? I can take this cold? This is nothing? I, I don't know what was happening there. And Man. then, of course, mention Nathan Crumpton from American Samoa, who seems to be taking the pita tafatafui of, he did this in Tokyo where he was shirtless, and now he's competing again here in Beijing did the shirtless, did the oiled up. But I do want to compliment NBC. They did not fall into the pizza trap again. They oh, showed really? him five seconds, didn't comment, moved on. Wow. So he was not a center of attention, which I was very pleased that we didn't go through this whole rigmarole of, oh, my God, he's naked. Oh, he's... <laughs> they showed it. He did it. Mentioned her, she was competing now in the winter and had competed in the summer. Then she is cold. End of discussion. Nice. So, Rico and Savannah Guthrie. 
good job on that one. I will say there there's some I missed partially because there's so much going on at the same time. And you've got the rows of volunteers that actually kind of blocked my view of seeing most of the athletes and if they went the other direction because I was sitting kind of stage stage left. So I was a little on to one side and, and did not see everybody close up. So the U.S. went opposite of me, of my direction. So, yeah, there was, oh, I loved Hades with the, they had the ball cap and they had Hades that went, that started, it was written sideways so that it was vertical and started with the H on the, the top and continued down the brim. I thought that was really cool. And, oh, gosh, somebody else had some good, I can't remember. The Kyrgyzstan. Um, were back and very appropriate the italian poncho did not like oh come on i thought it was i thought it was going to be something puffy but it looked in person just like oh let's take a plastic poncho that's solid because now it's red white and green and we'll wear it you know who and i'm hoping this looked as stylish in person the brits sort of different because it was a wool coat and then the 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 union jack on the sweater that looked very sharp on tv it looked very sharp in person too i really thought that one was stunning just because the the way they did the sweater and the union jack is covered it but in a in a very different way because i believe it was sideways maybe maybe not don't remember already you know we're not that far away from these i can't can't remember they couldn't get a good picture or anything either so right i liked that they went you know how many variations of a puffy coat can you do mm-hmm. and they kind of the wool pea coat and they had really good shoes too they had oh, these ben, nice it, it was a ben sherman outfit i believe it was nicely done a little more interesting and i want to mention the usa definitely looked better in motion than it did standing still but here is my one criticism of it some people tied the belts some people just had hanging strings on the waist and that looked very messy and you know who was one of the people with the hanging strings john schuster as the flag bearer and his strings are flailing around so john i know tie your strings you've got kids you know how to do this (laughs) if elena myers taylor had been there she would have made sure his strings were tied because she's a mom that's true. That's very true. Oh, speaking of coats, I was very concerned about T-Bock because when they first showed him up in the box, he looked like he was just wearing his suit. Oh. T-Bock, it's freezing. But then when he came down and did a speech, he was wearing a much more sensible puffy coat. Yes. And hat and, and more, more appropriately garbed for a right. He didn't have a hat and he didn't have glasses. I didn't know what was going on there. I didn't know what was going on there. I, we're getting ahead of ourselves because the glasses, just no glasses really threw me. I was like, who is that man? What was happening? But yeah, so he also had a change of costume mid-show. So that was good. Well, uh, we'll get we'll get to his speech. So then once the Parade of Nations was done, all of the, the placard women brought their placards down and they formed a giant snowflake with them. And that was like the big theme or motif throughout the whole rest of the beautiful dance number oh yeah that was yeah it was very lovely the whole thing was just absolutely fabulous and then uh, let's see and that was something that apparently on tv it also looked fake like it was led as well 
It did. But that, so, but that was actually real. And I thought that was a really nice, that was really embodying that whole stronger together kind of uh, talk that the IOC has now with the, the adding faster, higher, stronger together into their motto. They had a little video, a stronger together video. Then we had our speeches and the president of the Beijing organizing committee, nice short speech. Then T-Bot gets up and it's, uh, he, we heard the same speech six months ago. I'm, I'm sure it was, and it was long then, and it was really long tonight. The biggest cheer moment seemed to be when he said happy Lunar New Year in Chinese. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was a nice touch. Could you could you hear that cheering? Did that sound as loud or was that sort of magnified? No, it sounded loud because there wasn't a whole lot of cheering. That was the weird thing about the Parade of Nations was that you had they cheered a little bit for Hong Kong. There was a little cheering for Chinese Taipei. And there was, of course, a massive amount of cheering for China and then, like, nothing for nobody else. And I'd see on the feed, like, different, they'd find different people from different countries and you'd see them clapping, but they were, like, the one person. And it felt really odd because nobody, you know, you're not allowed, you're not supposed to clap or you're not supposed to yell. But it was really weird to have all these, especially, like, two athlete delegations come in and nobody seems to care. Well, those volunteers were dancing up a storm, said the Williams. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they cared. They did. They they worked really hard. That that was a tough one because they had to do it for like an hour, it seemed like. Every once in a while, some of them would start to flag in front of me. And they'd be like, oh, oh I got I to gotta keep dancing. And then they'd somehow get some more energy again. Be like, yeah. Then we had a little tribute to the people where this was something where they had 76 people crossing the stage and it was just walking and something happened on the video screen on the floor as they walked and it was supposed to be ordinary people of different races and skin colors walking shoulder and shoulder towards the same goal it was pictures it was a lot of pictures of healthcare workers oh you know, okay. related to the pandemic okay okay and then of course yeah. we got uh Imagine the unofficial Olympic anthem, which, you know, that Olympic anthem is also long. I'm not sure which would be better to have. We need, we need to come up with, I, you know, I, I almost wanted Celine Dion there. <laughs> would you take Celine over Imagine? Oh, yes, in a heartbeat. But exactly. if, if Celine was singing Imagine, I, I no, that would be bad. <laughs> this must have been the pre-show. But they sang the song from 2008, the famous one. And I only know it because I got sucked into it when we were talking with Claire, I believe. And I'm like, oh, this, and people cheered for that when they heard it. So she's right. I mean, it was popular, like really super popular. And you know what else is really popular right now? That lousy together for a shared future. It's playing all the time. Hey, it could be Imagine. It could be. But when or I'm Celine, say, be singing it, or you got to say that one again, or Celine Dion could be singing it. There you go. I don't know what what's going on, but like I, I thought, I think it's a connection because you're kind of every. It's it's weird. It's a weird connection, but you know, we can connect. So after our beautiful 
tribute to the people. The Olympic flag comes in. Okay, let's talk flags for a second. We have mastered this floor LED floor light technology. We need to work on flag fan technology because A, they're loud. Those fans are loud. B, they're a little aggressive. It seemed a little unnecessary because I have to say when they brought the Chinese flag in and they had the fan going, it actually kind of folded it up. Like it didn't blow in a nice flat straight. It, it, so I agree. I, I think you may be right. It may have been turned on too high. Yeah. Like it's, like, it's like a oh there. It's like a jet, not a fan. It needs to be a fan of air, you know, wide, wide angle fan. There you go. And, and that really bothered me the whole time when I could hear the, the fan going. And, and I'm not that close to the flags. I'm near the flags. But I'm a good 100 feet away, if not more. And I could hear them the entire show. I wanted to mention about the Olympic flag. We talked about this in Tokyo. This one is the Oslo flag. It is different from the summer flag. Oh. It is slightly smaller in size, Mike Tirico said. And it is called the Oslo flag. I assume, like the other flags we talked about in Tokyo, because it was first flown in Oslo and they haven't had to replace it yet. So we'll look oh. into that a little bit more. Yeah, we'll look into it and see what's up with that. Then we had the Olympic anthem sung by a uh, lovely choir of children, mountain children, who were wearing little tiger shoes. I couldn't see the tiger shoes on TV. Shame, because the kids looked cute, but they did sing a lot. They, it was like the song ended and then they decided to do verse two. And you're like, oh, verse two. So yes, on their feet, they wore tiger head shoes worn for the new year to symbolize cuteness, health, and growth. And believe you me, cute is the word here. They were very cute. The kids were cute. They were cute. They also had this video of like the future generation. Well, after after the oath, they, they took the oath. Then they had this video of the, the future generation. This I thought was adorable. Where the kids were doing this kids thing. You're getting sucked in with all these kids. I'm getting sucked in with some of it. But I like the cute. So they had all these kids doing winter sports and they were little teeny tiny kids and then they would fall down and then they'd pick themselves back up again. But I think what really got me on this video is that there were a couple of them that were like snowboarding or skiing and they had plush turtles attached to their waist so that if they fell on their butt, the turtle shell would take the brunt of the blow. And that got me. <laughs> That was really, really clever. And I can only imagine you going to the ski slopes and there's all these little kids with big stuffed turtles attached to their butts. See. Then we had another big snowflake element to the show with a big song. There was a children's chorus. They had doves on, lighted doves on sticks flying around. And the this was supposed to be a really big deal. I don't, did Mike Tirico talk about the technology at all? You know what? I don't recall. Okay. So... Apparently, they had some kind of like live motion AI technology going on. And when the kids walked, you'd see snowflakes appear where their feet were. I like that. It was cute. So, yeah, that was, that was very cute. But that led to the big moment, the big finale. The flame. Yeah. Not, oh, man. 
And and I see we're both sighing because boy was this anticlimactic. You had this lovely ceremony and then this. So there's no cauldron. They just sort of attached the torch into the circle of the snowflakes they created with the with the country banners, which would have been a lovely way to transport the torch to the cauldron. But there's no cauldron. I mean, can you see the flame from anywhere? I, I don't I don't know. Well, wait, I will I will take that back because I did see on the monitors a flame and I believe it's in Jean Jacou because it kind of looked familiar from where I was yesterday. And but it's another one. It's the snowflake. And there's just a torch in the middle of it. It's just kind of stationary. So I think they put one in that village to be kind of representative for that area. I don't know if there's anything in uh, Yangqing. And I don't know if they're putting this one anywhere. So, but... Okay, so was, I had two thoughts at the time. So first of all, everyone in the Facebook group er, er, called it anticlimactic disappointing it's not a real cauldron so i think we're hearing a lot of of consensus that this was this was not good so it made me think of two things so during the pandemic as i've mentioned before my daughter graduated high school and they this was in 2020 right in right in the height yeah so they couldn't have a formal graduation so they had this little drive-through ceremony and it kind of felt like well you know nice that they tried to give the kids something during this pandemic and that's how this cauldron felt nice that they tried something during this pandemic but it's not and then the second thing that it made me think of was have you ever had the situation where it's somebody's birthday and you forgot to buy birthday candles but you find like this one used one in the back of the draw (laughs) and like sorry this is the only one i had but you can still blow it out yeah like they just ran out of ideas or I mean, not ran out of money, but it almost just like, this is, that's it. Yeah. And like you said, flame transport vehicle is really a great way to describe it. Cause I, I did think, okay, where's this going? Cause I couldn't see any kind of cauldron thing when I looked in the beginning and I thought maybe this would transport it up, but it really it should be a flame, a torch transit, you know, torch transit object or whatever you want to call that. But the torch is still there and the flame is in the torch. It's not in the cauldron where it's supposed to be. Like, wouldn't it have been beautiful if that thing had turned sideways? And, oh, my God. And being the, the ring around the cauldron, like it turned sideways and like lowered it onto the top. Yes. I mean, there's so many ways we could have could have gone with this if you want to keep the snowflake theme. But it's it's just I, I don't I'm, I'm just disappointed because there's to me the you know the games are on when the cauldron is lit by the torch, but we just have a torch that's still lit, and there's no much bigger flame because that was the thing with the torch it becomes a much bigger flame. And that's the the big event. We had in the final run-up, there were seven torchbearers carrying six torches. And the deal was that they were from different decades. So 
decade of when they were born. Yes. So it was 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And for the last two, it was 2000s. And I thought, all right, here we go. It's going to be Sway and Han. Don't remember who this was. But boy, because I when we got to Yang Yang, I'm like, Yang Yang, this is going to be, we're getting good. And then they went to uh, 100 meter athletics, which just was weird because all of a sudden we're in a summer sport. Ideally, you'd want to keep these all winter athletes. And then these the two born in the 2000s that's nice but it just (sighs) they had none of the pair skaters yeah such a force in winter olympics and and bringing i mean pair skating is what got china into winter sports and to not have any of those couples is just wrong and i knew it wasn't going to be sway and han because they're too old. They would have been in the 90s. <laughs> or the 90s, I'm like, it's going to be some randos. They're not randos. They're they're very successful athletes who are competing in this Olympics. But it was disappointing not to acknowledge the, the legacy that Chinese pair skating has had. Yes, I, I would agree. Because it was a lot of speed skating, which they also have a big legacy in. But... To, yeah, to not get the figure skating element of it is just really sad. And maybe they tried and they got turned down, but it, it's, it was kind of a shame. And the, the drive to have the youth of the world light the cauldron, that doesn't work because you're always, you always want it to be somebody so important to the Olympic movement or the Olympic movement in your country. That's just the hero that everybody looks up to. And to not get that here. So Mike Tirico and Savannah Guthrie on the American broadcast were talking about how in the past, the United States has chosen that kind of hero, Muhammad Ali in Atlanta, or the Miracle and Ice team for Salt Lake City. And that other countries seem to be going in a very different direction. Tokyo had Naomi Osaka, very young athlete, way back in Sydney. Oh, God, what was her name? Kathy Freeman. Kathy Freeman, who was also then still the competing athlete. That, And he sort of made an offhand comment like, well, each country to its own. Where <laughs> he was trying to make a point saying he does not like the direction the cauldron lighting is going to these athletes who are currently competing, that he would like to see it have some more resonance with historical connections. And that sounds like exactly what you're saying. I don't mind the young athlete. I don't mind if they had a child of somebody. It feels like they're patronizing. Like, oh, look, we're going to have the kids do it. Right. Yeah. We got to focus on the youth of the world coming together because that's all that matters because that's who's coming up in the Olympic movement. And once you're done being an athlete, we kind of discard you unless you are available for committee work. That the Kathy Freeman use, use, I hate to say that because she wasn't used, but in the having Kathy Freeman do it in Sydney did not feel patronizing because that was a whole connection with the Aborigine and um, a new generation. And they had the women passing it off one to the next. Even though she was a young competing athlete, it didn't feel that way. It felt like passing the torch. Yes. In, in 
very profound way. Whereas these last two have not, it, it felt very silly. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on Kathy Freeman and she was just such a well-known woman in Australia I felt like Naomi Osaka was chosen because she was a big tennis star and everybody around the world knew her. Not because she was something important to Olympism, which I think Kathy Freeman had that kind of innate quality and just, I can't find the words I'm looking for, but there was something different about the Kathy Freeman choice versus Naomi Osaka. I I thought that was really like, ooh, let's do this. Let's take this person we all know and put her up there. And she didn't look... I mean, she said it was, I got to cut that all out. But then when we get these people who we don't know, or it's just somebody, it's a random person. It's just, it doesn't make the cauldron lighting as special, I think, because there's nothing to connect to in a way. Hopefully these two athletes do well, and that'd be really cool. But I feel like they're also not yet in their prime of the careers. That's what it, that's what it feels like. I'm not, I'm not sure, but that's what it feels like. You know, and there were many political elements to the opening ceremonies that we're really not going to get into because we don't want to give too much airtime to that. And I don't like that either, of course. Mm, right. But I'm a flame. I don't even know what to say. It makes me so upset. I know. The, the cauldronette is lit. <laughs> All right. We'll go with that then. Okay. But overall, overall impressions disappointing oh okay (coughs) being there i i really enjoyed it you you felt the energy it was interesting to have the the stadium was a good at least half to two-thirds full and then you put the athletes in and it really kind of filled up so that was neat to see people around i loved the snowflake theme and i thought the way they used those placards was just so beautiful but ultimately the the choice of not having a real cauldron just that just ended the show on such a sad not a sad note but just a downer it was just like oh that's it that's all you got okay so hopefully these games are not oh that's all you got now you made me sad oh well i was gonna go to uh shook on watch but that's got some sad news too no it actually has some good news So we got an update on Brianna Decker, WTMJ, that's the NBC affiliate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, not far from where Brianna's from, spoke to her family. And her mother said that they know it's not a knee injury. She's gotten an MRI. They haven't gotten conclusive results. Her mother said Brianna's in good spirits. She's getting excellent care. And her brother Brody was like, oh, she'll be back. She's had worse injuries. Sounds like... Whether she's going to come back to the tournament or not is still up in the air. We haven't gotten any official word from USA Hockey, but she's doing well. It's definitely not her head. It's definitely not her knee. So we are cheering for Brianna and glad to hear that it's 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 not as bad as it sounded when we heard her screaming on the ice. Oh, yeah, that's that is excellent news. And if she gets out of the hospital, she does still have excellent care with our Shuklastani trainer, Wayne. We'll get her up on those skates. They'll they'll push her out because a one-legged Brianna is still better than half of the players in the rest of the world. <laughs> and they will be back on the ice tomorrow against ROC. Uh, 
Also competing tomorrow, Bradley Wilson will try for a second shot to make the finals in men's moguls, and the finals will follow directly after that qualification. And we've got the start of biathlon. Claire Egan has been named to the mixed relay team. So we will see her get going with Rifey on the snow. I'm so excited about that. And it's fine anyway, so. USA is bib number 19 in the biathlon. So look for them. Claire is the second leg. Also want to mention the Beijing viewing guide, because if you are confused now that we've gotten started as to when things are, where things are happening, we do have a full-scale viewing guide with day-by-day charts and lists, and that is available at Amazon and Apple Books. So you can check that out. Link to that in our store on our website. Stuff's in alphabetical order. You also get start times and end times of events to help you plan your viewing. And for Year of the Tiger, we're going to talk about our mascot. Our mascot this week is Luna, who is a beautiful cat, so it's appropriate for our Year of the Tiger. Her mom, Beth, also likes to call her Luna Love Food. Because (laughs) she loves food. And I just have to say, girl, same. You should have seen me last night when I was up at 2 o'clock in the morning watching skating. So... (laughs) Thank you to Luna, and especially thank you to Luna's mom, Beth, for supporting our Kickstarter campaign. And we would also like to thank our researchers for this episode, Max Mendelson and Amanda. So that's going to do it for tonight. Tomorrow, first full day of competition, I'm going to head back out to the mountains to go check out Claire in the relay. And I think if I've got it planned right, I may also be able to see some ski jumping. That's also on my agenda. The ski jump hill is quite impressive, I will say that. Well, stay safe and stay warm. And if you want to see Jill's pictures, be sure to be celebrating the games with us on our Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group. Other people are commenting. We have, we'd love to hear what you think about the cauldronette. Jill's on Twitter and I am on Insta. Both of those handles are at flamealivepod. You can email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208 Flame It. We will catch you back here tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, keep the flame alive.